Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. Greetings and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is March 29th. Shane, how are we doing? Hi, Brendan. How are you? <laughs> I love the, the hard right turn from the, the shouting and a separate pitch. We have a professional here with us uh, joining this Wednesday episode of the Shotgun Start. Professional but frequent friend of the program, uh, Shane Bacon. Uh, ahead of next week's Masters, ahead of this week's Valero Texas Open, which I'm sure we'll give the lion's share of the episode to, uh, a non-designated event. Uh, but Shane, thank you. Thank you for joining us. What's on your mind, uh, golf-related these days? Are you like all Masters, or is there anything yeah. else that's occupying your brain? I, I, will, I will say I was pretty dialed to the match play. I found yeah. it interesting, obviously, with with so many big names, you know, making it far. And, you know, that that's the rise and the fall of match play, right, is if you've got a lot of big names involved late, it's going to be exciting. And if you don't, it won't be as exciting, even though I'm bummed that, you know, match play is going away. We'll see what happens in 25. But I feel like I have watched – I've kind of taken a page out of Andy's book. Uh-oh. I've watched more – <laughs> yeah, I've watched more PGA Tour golf, I think, in the early parts of this season than I had over the last few years. I've thought it's been an unbelievable PGA Tour year so far, yeah. and yeah. I thought the match play was uh, representative of that. So, obviously, all of us kind of gearing up for the Masters. But, you know, I mean, when's the last time we've had this many names playing this well at this point? And, you know, obviously, with all the live guys kind of being a bit unknown going into the Masters, I just feel like we're kind of gearing towards what could be an epic uh, epic week at Augusta. Yeah, just just related to that match play, not to look too far back, but Josh Carpenter Sports Business Journal tweeted ratings and uh, you know, my view on ratings are, you know, it's not reflective of whether something was good or valuable in and of itself, right? It's just there is general interest, it is a gauge, one gauge. Um they talked about how uh, it was up 12% the match play and I think 6 of 7 events on the PGA Tour this year, final rounds are like up so uh, the tour does seem to be, you know, not to fluff the tour too much, but I think like we approached this pretty objectively. It's been an exciting product. Match play, I think, was indicative of the larger first quarter where like the best players are all in the same place and they're playing well. And that's simplistic to say like good golfers play well, but like that's not always the case so frequently on the PGA Tour as we evidenced by so rarely getting to Tiger versus Phil head to head ever really so like I think it's been an awesome first quarter and some of the ratings are reflecting that as they come in for match play well I was thinking about this on Sunday I mean obviously everybody was hoping they get Rory and Scheffler in the finals and you know you think of years past with the match play how much we would have given to see a Sam Burns versus Cameron Young in the finals. You know, I mean, that would have been something that we would have been excited for Two, you know, young players, you know, one obviously looking for his first win on the PGA Tour and another one I'd say kind of needed something to happen. It hadn't quite been the, the Sam Burns we'd saw, you know, middle parts of, of last year. And so while we didn't get Rory Scheffler in years past, Burns versus Young would have been an epic showdown in the finals. And I think something golf people would have circled as a win. So, you know, when, when that's the quote unquote undercard yeah. uh, for what you ended up getting, I thought it was a, a great week. And, you know, I mean, Max was playing well and, you know, we saw Scheffler obviously making runs. So uh, it would I will say this about the Masters. We are what we're a week away. Yep. I would say I would be surprised come Saturday and Sunday if the leaderboard doesn't look like these PGA Tour leaderboards have looked like throughout this year, meaning Rory, Scheffler, Rom, Max, that group not being in the hunt, I think would be relatively surprising for me. And we have 88 players and a cut. And so having a strong top 12, top 10 is not that hard. Not that hard. You know what I found today? I was like looking at the field. This is a random odds and ends masters uh, in advance fact, I suppose. We used to do fact of the day. We just, you know, spaced out on that this year. Um, <laughs> do you know Cameron Champ is in the field? 
next match. How, how how did how did he get into he that? Top, was it like a top top twelve that last year's Masters? So like we're, I'm just wow. talking about the strong first page of the leaderboard. We always get it. Like I just was scrolling through. It's like wait wait wait. Cam Champ his only exemption is top twelve. Of course, like Scheffler sort of ran away with it. He shot even. I think he was even for the week. Ten shots behind the lead. And but that does it, man. That's your top twelve exemption. I was shocked to see him in the field. But yeah, he's playing next week. I don't know what he's done on tour this year. I don't think we've seen him pop too often. But yeah, he'll be in the field next week. You will be at the Masters yourself. Uh, not to talk too much about ourselves, but what's your plan? What are you What are you doing next week for the Masters? Are you doing some feature groups, doing some uh, coverage? Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, third year um, that I've uh, be a part of the Masters.com coverage and uh, get a chance to do feature group with uh, Billy Kratzer and nice. Colt Nost. And we've done it the last couple of years together. Cool. Always, obviously, you know, exciting, very pinch myself. I, I just wrapped up a podcast with Scott Van Pelt. And every year we do a pre-Masters podcast together. And every year we have a conversation about how we pinch ourselves that this is something we get an opportunity to do. And so, yeah, just, you know, go and obviously we get cool names. And last year was very, very special. We we started to hear rumblings a few weeks before that we might get Tiger involved. Yeah. And then you never quite know what window he's going to be in. And then the fact that, you know, come Thursday we get, you know, the first chance to see Tiger was, was uh, on Masters.com was a very surreal experience and something that, you know, will be a, a real highlight of what I've been able to do in this business thus far. Yeah, I, it, it, I forget like that sort of the mind frame we were in with Tiger this time last year. We still like we started to hear rumblings like he was walking medalist, which is, you know, generally yeah, a yeah, cart yeah. type deal when you're down there. And, and Joey was in town and like we didn't know if he was ever going to play golf again. We thought he would, but it might be years. And and just I, I kind of forget that that was still not a known thing pretty much about this time last year, even though we started to get hints and you were, I mean, I don't know. You don't need to talk about it, but featured group of that return first shot, first tee. And like, you're there on the call. This has to be a pretty, I don't know, pressurized intense moment. Also a dream. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, both for sure. You know, yeah. again, I mean, you know, that the week is is very much about the Masters and very much about Augusta yeah. National and very much about not trying to get, you know, too much in front of anything, but just to kind of be involved in that whole situation. And then for Tiger to go out there and play solid golf. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously Tiger has a great relationship with Augusta National, the golf course, but to see him go out there and do what he did over the course of those first two rounds and to be able to compete and to make putts and to hit golf shots, I think was even more surprising than what we maybe thought we were going to see from him. It was interesting. I, I mentioned I had Scott Van Pelt on the Get a Grip podcast, and that'll be available uh, this coming Monday. But yeah. he told the story. I just wrapped up with him, and he said that, you know, he was kind of what we just talked about. He was hearing rumblings about Tiger last year. So he sent a text. He said to Tiger and said, hey, man, like, hope to see you next week. And he said Tiger just responded, trying and he said when he saw trying as a response, he knew he'd be there because he said if, you know, he, as well as, as Scott has known Tiger yeah. over the course of his career, he knew if he was trying, that meant he was going to, uh, as long as the leg moved, he was yeah. going to uh, show up and give it a go. Yeah. So, uh, very, you know what, though? I'll say going into this Masters with Tiger, I felt it was extremely important to see him walk 72 holes at Riv. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that he's already accomplished that this year, you know, we didn't see that last year, poor Ath. I mean, you know, we, we saw him struggle at Augusta over the weekend. We saw him not even finish the PGA Championship. To say I was able, my body was Good able point. to finish four rounds at Riviera is a huge thing to have in the back of your mind for a guy that is so mentally tough. So I think that was a huge win. And Saturday was his best round, I think, if I recall. He yeah, shot 67. Right, at, at Riv. So, yeah, I'll, I'll maintain. I don't want to talk too much about last year. I'll maintain, like, I like there's a few points in this uh, covering this game where like I remember where my feet were on the ground and like I can still see the images and what it felt like the goosebumps and that was like him coming up 18 last year on Sunday I just happened to be there I got lucky kind of obviously it, it was jammed it was like you were in a movie or something and I, I don't know what movie I don't know if it's like if it's the Jamaican bobsled team carrying the sled across the line, it just felt like I, I know that that probably doesn't do it justice. And that's too sort of uh, inane, but like that ascent, right. And this tunnel, human tunnel of him, I just will remember that for as long as I, I I'm covering and thinking about this game and, and just the power of someone simply walking, walking with great sort of agony 
uh, to complete a 72nd hole. I, I'll, I'll really remember that for, for as long as I'm in this game. And, and I don't know, I guess this year there, it's, it's a little more promising, hopefully based on what you talked about at rib. So, yeah, you know, the, the relationship that, you know, and you and I are golf fans, first and foremost, the relationship that golf fans have had with tiger over the course of his career from at least in early in my days, I mean, being a left-handed golfer, I was an enormous Phil Mickelson fan, you know, rooting against Tiger. And I had the same relationship with Roger Federer, where early in Federer's career, I was always an Andy Roddick guy. So I would be rooting against Roger Federer, not for Roger Federer. And as I aged and got a little bit older, the respect for what Federer was able to do grew. And then all of a sudden, I found myself later in Roger's career rooting for Federer and becoming an enormous Roger Federer fan. And Tiger's has even been more extreme, where it was easy to root against Tiger because he was so dominant in a sport that was, you know, undominatable. And yeah. then he goes through personal situations he did himself. And then he goes through, you know, basically tragedy with his body. And now this relationship is rooting on a guy that was once so dominant just to be competitive and able to compete again. It's a very strange relationship that golf fans have had sure. with Tiger over the course of his career. But getting to this point now where we're just excited to see competition again from the guy is a really cool thing because it's such a different experience. And we get to really experience that, in my opinion, over the course of those four days at Augusta more than really anywhere else. Uh, is there something about the side non-Tiger division that you're like really excited about or even just most curious, intrigued by this coming Masters? I think... You know, I'll let you answer. Go ahead. What about I mean, the I, Masters? I, I, I'm very interested to see what Rory does on Thursday, Friday, just coming off what he did last year and saying he finally had a positive experience. Let's see how that positive experience plays into the first two rounds because what we've seen at Rory outside of St. Andrews, because obviously the blunders from that day came in the final round, but typically Rory either has a bad opening round and then has to make up ground the next three days, or he struggled on Friday. You kind of saw that a little bit, I believe, at the PGA Championship, right? Didn't he play great on Thursday and then struggled a bit on yeah, Friday? Yeah, the where, good side of the draw, too. Yeah, yeah and so or... I'm really interested to see the, the Thursday-Friday Rory relationship with this golf course after, again, coming off what he said was was one of the real positive days he's had at that golf course basically since what 2011 the first three days so I would say obviously Rory's going to be an enormous talking point and then you know I think a lot of people are going to be talking about Max and how he does it a major I mean that's really been the hole in the resume for Homa so far is he's played great everywhere except for the majors so let's see how he does here and um I'm I'm obviously always rooting for for Max to do well and yep. see how how he plays and I think the forecast looks a bit sketchy as it tends to always seem to look, you right. know, when you look eight days out. So uh, I think that plays in the hands of somebody like Max who doesn't get bothered by the weather. So, you know, I mean, listen, the storylines are, are plentiful that week. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think obviously the live thing is going to be a big talking point. We'll, we'll oh, talk about that next awesome. week. I, I like we've now, we've now like kind of wrestled with this arrival for almost a year, but not at a masters at a masters. The thing was sort of still a concept and Phil was in exile and, I don't even think I know it's the champions dinner is the big thing people are talking about. And you had, you know, Fred couples calling Phil a nutbag like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and now they got to have dinner together. And I know that's a big part of it. I, I'm as curious about the competition. I don't know. Like Cameron Smith just won the last men's major. Um, I don't know. Like, I assume he's pretty good at golf still, but I, I can't like say that with the same level of confidence I can with Scotty Scheffler and John Rahm and, and same goes for, you know, Neiman and DJ and a few others. So I think it's really fascinating to see how they do. I think it's probably critical for live as whatever they want to be. And, and I'm sure Augusta is loath to this becoming, I don't know if it's the, it's probably the dominant, kind of storyline of which we're, we're looking at this week. These guys returning to the commingling under the same tent at an event. And then obviously the champions dinner aspect of it. Uh, I tend to think, um, Augusta, Augusta tends to act, make these, uh, pros act more gentlemanly than maybe they want to, or, or tend to do at a, maybe another major. I actually don't think it will be that, contentious or at least publicly so i think they'll probably I, I wouldn't say they'll come out feeling lovey-dovey and warm and fuzzy uh but i think at the, the champions dinner it may have that jp mcmanus pro-am effect you remember when they were over there and they were kind of all in the same room and it came out yeah. just a little thawed right it wasn't as heated and that didn't mean it was thawed forever 
I just tend to think people are, are expecting what, uh, I don't know, guys confronting each other on the range or whatever it is. It's not going to happen. I, I think they stay in line for Augusta, especially. And I don't, and if anything, I think being in the same place will probably turn the temperature down a little bit. Porath, can I be the first to say this? Yeah. What if, what if Phil contends? What if Phil gets in the hunt? I mean, listen, none of us saw the PGA happen in Brendan. None of us saw it happening. He's had more success at this place than any other golf course in the world. And I would say it's unlikely uh, that he plays I, well, considering yeah. what we've seen from him over the last year. But what if he plays well? How is that going to be received on Saturday and Sunday? I think it'll be received very well. I think patrons will yeah. be excited to see Phil in the hunt. I think golf fans still like Phil Mickelson outside of maybe the spheres that we're in that are maybe more critical of the live component. But what if this dude goes out and shoots four under on Thursday? Like, what will that be like for golf? <laughs> I uh, I guess I hadn't considered it. Of course, it probably was bubbling. The I've been thinking about brain. it a lot. I've been thinking about this exact thing over the last week a lot is if, if Phil plays well, I think people probably be whipped up into a frenzy about it. I think you're right. I think there'll be a lot of cognitive dissonance amongst, you know, Augusta media, other player, like, you know, the excited to have it happen, but also annoyed that it's, ha I don't know, it, you know, lamenting the fact that it's happening. Um, I guess I'd ask you who has a better chance to do that. Phil or Bryson. I'd probably expect oh, Phil to do it right now. I more agree than with you. Either, I agree with you. Even though neither seems to be like a competitive golfer at the moment, at least in the spheres we watch. So I don't know. It's going to be an awesome week. We're going to talk about it a ton, both you know yes. in Augusta. We'll see you in Augusta. Uh, we're looking forward to featured groups and, and Masters.com streaming. Um, anything else on Masters before we jump to schedule for the week? I, I know you got your no, let's plug see. your pod. You got Scott Van Pelt. Is that what you said? Get a grip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it. Get a grip pod. Still rocking and rolling. You can subscribe okay. and listen if you're interested in doing that. Going to have. Uh, Van Pelt for Monday, um, Claire Rogers and I'll do a recap Sunday night like you and Andy will do, um, after it all wraps. And so, yeah, that's, uh, if you're, if you're, if you need to listen to more of me for goodness sakes, which I apologize if that's the case, Come that's on. where you want to go. All right, let's get to the schedule for this week. As we call it, uh, we have the Augusta national women's amateur that starts Wednesday. So that's the, if you're listening this Wednesday morning. We're actually getting coverage this year. Wednesday afternoon, that'll be Golf Channel 130 to 3.30 on Wednesday, Thursday, that first, second round. Then they take that sort of odd Friday break, you know, and they all play the big course, Augusta National, whether you made the cut or not. Uh, and then they do the final round Saturday from noon to 3.30 on, uh, that's NBC. So getting some cha champions retreat coverage i know you and i've played champions retreat monday after masters maybe worse for the wear on my behalf but i don't know um uh so we'll see that in full kind of more of a full broadcast aspect wednesday and thursday afternoon they're doing top 30 anti's so we don't get that playoff deal like 11 Good. for one type thing um forecast looks a little spotty for Saturday, which I, I'm starting to wonder. We have Garrett and Meg on the ground for the Anwa this week, covering at both the Champs Retreat and, and uh, Augusta National. I I don't know. I want, it's, all, it's only 30, 35 women to get around, but what happens then? I, I guess that's a contingency that I'm sure they've planned for, but uh, could get interesting. Anwa, are you excited about this? I, I Always. Always excited about it. I love the fact that they're going to be showing Champs Retreat, um, three golf courses there. Very hard. I don't think people quite understand if you haven't been there and you haven't really played that golf course or obviously they haven't seen it on TV until this year, but it's a hard freaking golf course. I mean, I, Gary Player, Jack, Arnie, I think designed the, the nines there. Yes. And it's the only place in the world that that's had those three guys' hands on all of them. But I just, I, every time I've played it, I, it's just beating me up and it's hard and it's tough. And so uh, you get around there and even par as an amateur and you're playing some damn fun. I was going to say, I'm trying to speak from memory here. So I, don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty sure like we rarely see rounds get into the 60s. And it's, like making the hard. cut is like you can make it to Augusta at like three, four over and things like that. It's a tough, yeah. you've, you've played it several times, obviously, right? Part of like the media Mondays after and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's a good spot. They they got the cabins and uh, like you said, I think the one night we stayed up till 
two, three in the morning with KVV, playing the guitar and singing around a fire, and then had to play like a scramble that morning. It wasn't our best golf ever, <laughs> but uh, it's a cool spot. And like I said, I'm glad that the coverage has been extended because I feel like that at least, you know, I mean, you've got something, you know, later in this week to watch yep. and you get a chance to get a feel for those players instead of just the the final round, you know. Uh, continuing on with our schedule for the week, we have the Valero Texas Open. That's a PGA Tour event. That's at the TPC San Antonio Oaks course. Uh, it's kind of an ass kicker of a of a of a course with, you know, the tree you get in the thicket or whatever it is, the brush that you as soon as you leave the fairway, you're kind of DOA uh, often. Often is the case, as we saw in that Kevin Na clip, you know, the infamous whatever, when he made 17. Um, also, <laughs> I saw Zach Blair's Instagram story talking about how the shark and uh, Sergio consultation were clearly the George Thomas, the inspiration for George Thomas's sixth hole at Riviera with the bunker in the middle. They have that going on at TPC San Antonio. Um but you got to be a ball striker here. It can be an ass kicker, of a course, if the wind's blowing, as is often the case in Texas golf. That's four to seven Wednesday, or four to seven. I'm sorry, Thursday, Friday on Golf Channel, and then like does the Golf Channel NBC split on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Brennan, let yes. me tell you a little uh, junior golf story. Um, I played an AJGA qualifier at the Palmer course in that area. Yes. Either it's the there might be two courses there or yeah, something. Think, at TPC. Yes. yes. Um, I played an AJGA qualifier there and I went birdie, 10 birdie, um, <laughs> in three hole stretch. So made a birdie, made a 10 and then, and it almost hold out. So I almost went birdie Holy 10 God. Eagle. Uh, but that's, uh, one of my great stretches, um, uh, in, in golf history was three ten three. The Texas open, obviously like a legendary historic event when we did those spotlights on, on Crenshaw yep. and others, like this was a primo event. Um, it's paid via Valero, paid to kind of get the pre-master spot, what used to be the Shell Houston Open. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a good place to be. They wanted to be there as opposed to sort of the the, the kind of quiet time post-masters, what used to be post-masters at US Open, now post-masters at PGA. Uh, I don't know. If I'm a player, I don't know if going to TPC San Antonio is the best prep. Uh, but some think playing the week before, regardless of setting and conditions, co competing, uh, playing competitive tournament golf is the way to do it. So we have a mix. It's not as deep as in past years when you've had a, a speed. Rory dabbled with it and then kind of laughed off at the players when he was asked if he was going back. It's like, no, no. Uh, uh, so Hatton's in there. I think he's the favorite. Ricky Fowler, Corey Connors, Siwoo. Hideki's playing. So no Jordan this year, huh? Is that what you're saying? I don't think so. I don't see him anywhere. So do you know who won last year? Poor ass. You probably do because your brain is. I do actually. You... It's sad. Okay. Uh, JJ Spawn okay. won. Did you know that? Did you were you looking at research or did you just remember? That I randomly? did popped into my head in the last. I, I did not look. I Smith was two years ago, right? And Spawn was yeah, last yeah, yeah. year. I don't know why yes. I remember this. I'd like. I somehow ended up following Spawn during like practice rounds at the Masters last year. And I probably, that's why it was in my head for a whole. I think he was playing with speed. I can't remember, but it's like, oh, that guy got in like 12 hours ago. But yes, he won it last year. Uh, played well. You made the round of 16 at the match play. So yeah, yeah. I, it's, not a, it's not a wasteland. You got some players. I don't know why Hideki's playing. He just WD'd with this like neck injury. Joseph Lamagna wrote about it for the newsletter and his chase of speed, and maybe this is a speed injury. I've heard similar. We talked about Fitzy and Zalatoris last year, uh, last week, about how they're both kind of seem to be fighting it a little bit. I mean, Fitzy, is that also a speed? You know, we know he's added prodigious length in the last kind of 12 to 18 months, but now has a neck issue. I, I know that's sort of a facile jump to make sometimes when guys start chasing speed and have injuries, but I don't know what's going on with the decky. Why, why does he need to be here? He just WD'd from the match play. He's got the masters next week. What do you think? I, I don't understand why he's playing. It doesn't seem necessary. Yeah. I, I, I guess my only question would be how serious is the injury and did he have a chance to advance in the match play? Cause Max was two and O. So I'm all I'm wondering is maybe if it was lingering or if there was just slight issues there, okay. maybe it's a little bit of, I see. of I'm not going to advance anyway. Why not duck out now? Um, I can play the injury card. Maybe let's see what my body feels like in Texas before obviously getting to a place that I've had massive success at. That's the only logical thing in my brain that would at least make a little bit of sense. But if there is 
two percent of injury in Hideki's body, he should not be playing in Texas. That is, right. I'd say, is, is is a relatively logical thing to say. Right. I, I, yeah, I'm surprised we don't see that more often on that like Friday. I, I know there's some money in play, but Zalatoris did the same. I, I'm not suggesting it was a fake WD. He was ill and he was 0 2, but it feels like that would be an opportunity to uh to to, to take off, but. We don't see it that often. So I, I think I wrote this on Twitter, but uh, years ago, because I covered that event for a number of years yeah. for PJ Tour Live. And, and that was one of the events we would go to yep. uh, because it's affiliations with AT&T. And Rory was 0-2 one year. And I think he was playing Emiliano Grillo, and who was 0-2. So neither of them had a chance to advance on Friday. Oh, I and I walked by Rory on the range kind of joking, <laughs> yeah. like, hey, a big match today. And he <laughs> joked back and he kind of smiled. He goes, we've already decided everything inside of 10 feet is good. You know, it's yeah. this this match does nothing for either of us. I mean, there's no there's no moving on group stage if either of us win or lose. So I'm wondering when it's 0-2 versus 0-2, how competitive that is. You don't see a lot of those uh, those highlights make uh, – make the YouTubes after in the same vein. I was moderately, I'm not going to say greatly impressed, but moderately impressed that Scheffler and Rory put in enough effort in that consolation. Totally agree it was like a competitive, yep. like real deal that for both guys of that stage of their career and how they're playing right now, is it probably not the most meaningful round they would need to play? <laughs> uh, but they, they took it. They, they took it deep enough. Um, all right. Continuing on with our schedule for, Oh, we got to do one and done picks. People are demanding my one and done picks. I'm hot. Can I pick, hot. can I pick for Andy or not? Yes. Go for okay, it. Let me, Please do. Hold on, no, no, you, you go I'm, first. I'm hot right now. Cam Young got us close, but it was another big six figure payday. I'm in first in my actual one and done by like four or five million dollars. It's money based. I've had like three or four winners. Cam Young nearly got me another one, but these designated events have been very good to me. I think this is the week. Uh, I know where you're going. I, I know where you're going. I've been I've been wrestling with it. If we're jumping too soon, but flatten I, the bill. I think it's put the, the orange on. I think it is. I I've been wrestling. Like, is this too cliche? Just is this like am I a PGA Tour live production? It's a programmer right now doing this, trying to put will this to Vic, will this to existence. I'm going with Ricky Fowler, one and done. I think it's the week. I've been resistant to it. I wanted to take maybe a Hogard who played well at Corrales last week. Uh, I think it's I think it's the week to do it. I think we're going with Ricky Fowler. He's obviously played well. Beat Rom, beat uh, uh, Keith Mitchell last week. Played well in stroke play events. Preceding that, uh, several top twenties, I believe, this year. I don't know that he's going to win. That's always been sort of the the great hurdle with Rick. Uh, but I'm doing it. I think this is the week we use Ricky Fowler, who's probably not been used in one-and-done pools in a couple of years, if we're being honest. So I'm going with Ricky Fowler at the Valero Texas Open. Uh, poor F, I was on PJTour.com's um, insider picks, okay. uh, which includes our our good buddy Smartin. Okay. Uh, three of the six picks are Ricky Fowler. Uh-oh. Um, I don't know if I like so that then. I don't know uh, if I like that. That's like picking Houston. Oh, in the, in shoot. March now I'm not going to back now, off. I want to go you're in a, like bad spot. a Monday qualifier or something like that, or Akshay. But okay, I'll stick uh, with Ricky. All right. I, you know what? Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go for Andy, by the way. This okay. is not my pick. This is for Andy. Okay. I'll go see is, is my pick. is my pick this week do you think he's used siwoo to this point oh that's a good question it's like his favorite it's like his favorite <laughs> player right. on tour he probably uh, well, hey we'll, we'll say this if, if it's we'll go siwoo okay. and if he has used siwoo we'll go matt kuchar okay we'll go matt kuchar runner-up last year as matt kuchar so oh he was a runner-up yeah matt kuchar and matt jones finished two back at jj spawn wow god that's uh that's a PGA Tour event. So we're back on the non-designated schedule this this week. Um, continuing on with schedule for the week, the LPGA is the DIO Implant LA Open. That is, uh, that is Golf Channel as well. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a full four-round, 72-hole event. That was the one that used to be at Wellshire. That's the only LA Open that exists anymore now that Genesis is an invitational. Um, Riviera is an invitational. But they've moved from Wilshire over to Palos Verdes, which had an event itself. They, so there's two kind of defending champs, if you want to say that. And uh, I think it was Hanasa Hadaoka won at Wilshire. Uh, Marina Alex won at Palos Verdes event, whatever that was called, like Bank of America something or other, Palos Verdes Championship, whatever it was called. So this would probably be Andy's event of the week. He's written extensively about Billy Bell and the, the, the hike and the up and down. He's written about drainage, which I know is quite popular, you know, you know, 
exploded the internet when you wrote about drainage for the fried egg. But yes, Palos Verdes, probably his event of the week, I would guess. Good good LPGA event. Yeah, it's it's nice that it's ramped back up. You know, you get that tease early in the season with the LPGA, and now we're like getting it back, get a playoff into this event, which I think is one of the great events on the schedule for the whole season. And uh, I also love the fact that we don't have a major going up against the Anwa. I mean, that obviously the change there has helped uh, the coverage in terms of the eyeballs and interests and all that. And so um, I think this is a win across the amateur and the professional side on the women's uh, on the women's side. And uh, and I think it's going to be a great watch. And this will be where my eyeballs go. No offense to the Texas Open. Yeah, this is like six to nine p.m. So you get a little bit of that West Coast time difference. I I think much like the men's. The West Coast swing is often probably one of the best stretches in terms of venue and, and intrigue. You get everybody playing again, usually, whereas sometimes with the Asian swing, not everybody makes the, the, the trips over there in the first quarter. But yeah, this is everybody. You know, Lydia Ko's back. Uh, so yeah, it, just like the men's, I think the West Coast swing often yields some, some of the better stretches on the schedule. And last but not least on schedule for the week, we can talk more about Friday before it starts, Friday episode. We have the Live Orlando event which I kind of had forgotten was happening. This is at the Orange County National Crooked Cat course, not to be confused with Panther Lake or Panther Creek. I can't remember which one that is. Um, hey, poor at there, there's a lot of Panther know, golf these I days. Know. Have you noticed that? Is that the new thing? Panther National. We're gonna get a pan- down in, We're gonna uh, get a Panther driver soon. There's gonna be some company who's gonna go with the Panther or something off a of Panther. It just feels like it's popping right we now. We can't do Lynx because Lynx has already taken a corner yeah. of the market. Shout so out so Freddie. Other big cats, I suppose. Their Panther is having its moment, <laughs> I suppose, with Panther National. Big cats. Um, I guess this is a way to prepare for the Masters. I don't know. I saw Patrick Reed was there like first thing Monday morning, which you know he is like grinding his gears to come make some noise at the Masters, Gusta National. So I don't know if you're going to play Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Orlando and then fly up to Augusta National. I would I would argue, and this is not even me being funny, this is being serious. If you were going to work on your golf game, isn't this the best driving range in the world to work on your golf game? Because can't you basically hit into any wind? It's a circle. It's an entire, it's a circle range, right? Well, yes. But I also noticed that Monday Q, Ryan French, follow Monday Q, was tweeting that golf now was accepting tee times for the other, for the other course, (laughs) Panther, whatever, for whatever discounted. So not, I mean, tournament week, not, not during the tournament. Yes. Like on a Friday. uh, This is what Monday Q tweeted. Yes. Um, So, like, is that circle range going to be occupied by Tom, Dick, and Harry in Orlando driving over to get a Sunday morning round in? I don't know. I need to confirm that the other course is open, but that was a thing that Monday Q tweeted a couple weeks back. So, uh, I mean, listen, if you're a golf fan in the Orlando area, even if you can't stand live, you would get a tea time on that Saturday. I mean, it's you can go hit balls at the, go yeah. hit balls at the range. Right. You're you're you and your buddy right. are gonna go play a little five dollar Nassau. You're warming up next to Brooks if he's down there with his cone. You know, get dialed. <laughs> well, this is yeah. I mean, this is the thing we saw at the Tiburon course with the with the LPGA CME race to the CME. The other course was open and got like hacks shouting, screaming four. In the background, as like Jin Yun Ko or Lydia Ko is playing for millions of dollars. And so I don't know if we're going to get this. I'm looking for, yeah, Panther Lake, Orange County National Tea Times on Golf Now. I, I just want to. So what's the other course? The other course they're playing is Crooked which one? Cat. I don't know okay, why he's Crooked, crooked or what he did to get Crooked, but Crooked Cat is the other one. Um, I'm just, let me, I've never used Golf Now really. So. Um, it looks like there's some stuff available, so I don't know. Friday. Should we? Do you want to? Do you want to fly down? Sneak it around before Augusta. <laughs> That's you know I talked to Andy about that. You know, and should we? Should I? Should I go and do Live Orlando before we get to Augusta? Eh, it looks like they may not do it tournament days. Maybe just practice round days. I don't know. I'm trying to use this clunky golf now search function. But um, all right, that's your schedule for the week. Uh, news. 
Trout National. Mike Trout is building a golf course with Tiger Woods in sort of a remote, remote rural part of New Jersey, if that's possible. New Jersey feels like it's, you know, an East Coast, very densely populated area of part of the world. But it it's, looks like there's a fair amount of land and they'll need it because he drives it 360 yards. Is he just going to request that Tiger make it 8,000 yards? What's the deal? I saw a lot of people getting off their jokes like uh, it's only open through September. Because Mike Trout, you know, he's this all-star oh, stud who never nice. makes that's it to the October. Nice. Is that what the rules will be at Trout National? That's not that's an original joke. Mean. I just saw just it. Just mean. Saw it that's somewhere on mean. Twitter. Uh, poor F, I, I got to, speaking of baseball players and Tiger. Yeah. So played uh, a Shady Canyon, Southern California a couple years ago. And on the top of this hill is this huge house. And I guess it used to be owned by Mark McGuire back at his prime. Mm-hmm. And... Tiger would go play at this golf course, kind of like his prep work early in his career. Yeah. But he would only play if McGuire was in town because he loved playing with McGuire because he hit it like 350. Ah. And he was obsessed with playing with Mark McGuire. So when I saw <laughs> this Trout story. news, it made me think totally. of old Tiger playing with McGuire. And totally. Trout's the new McGuire and a lot of power. So maybe this is Tiger's thing. Remember how obsessed Tiger was early in his career with Hank Keeney? You know, yeah. I mean, did, oh, because Hank Keeney did. It. Yeah, yeah, he could nuke it. He loved the nuke guys. He loved Bubba before Bubba sure. became. They would Bubba. do practice I mean, rounds together. Fan. Bubba was one of his practice round regulars. Yeah, Nick Watney yeah. was in there. But yeah, uh, that's amusing. We were having a team call yesterday, and Garrett. So I want to give credit to Garrett on this. He was sort of incredulous, which is cracking me up. That Trout like hits at three thirty to three sixty, and is like a seven or eight. And he was like, "What's going on after that? Right? Like, what is happening? It's, it's, it's like." I don't know if it's hard to be a seven. You see a lot of guys that can, I don't know if he hits it straight, right? That could be a separate issue. If he's hitting at 360, the part's unknown. That that could contribute to maybe an eight handicap. But an interesting bit of course develop news, development news, I suppose. Mike Trout living out a dream. Good for him. He's able to do that. Uh, I don't know. It's fine. It's, it's. I said. I said this on Twitter. Poor Ath. I, I co-own a logo consulting company That's with right. my friend Kate Smith. Yeah. Um, I'm just putting our hat in the ring here. We we will design this logo. We'll give you a discount if Trout listens. We'll even discount the logo oh. to let us get a crack at a fish trout golf there's course logo. Here. I feel like there's just there's brilliance there, and I can't sure. think of another great fish golf course logo. Yeah. So so Mike, know. let it give us give us a shot at this. That is good. Let us take a crack. Good question. That is good. Don't point. even have to give us a retainer. We'll, we'll do the first. We'll send you first images for free. Um, all right, continue on with news. I like that. CBS did their conference call real quick. Uh, pre, you know, all these networks do it. I think uh, yep. ESPN's doing it now. I thought it was interesting. They're going to have uh, like the aerial tracer behind 13, which seems like a good, cool thing. I, I, I was struck by Ben Crenshaw on, I, I don't know where, I think maybe Golf Channel last week, talking about how the T at 13 is not just back, it's, it's significantly elevated now. So it's like an okay. elevated T shot. So, Really curious to see that behind the TV view. And, and that was interesting tidbit from that part of a, a an elevated sort of tracer with, with I don't know, are these guys going to try to, they're not going to try to hook it anymore. Like they could with a three wood. Cause I think a lot of them are hitting driver now and you can't hit hook a modern driver that well. So be interesting. If they, if they would have had the tracer when ZJ hit the, the toe dribbler, <laughs> do you think the tracer picks it up? Do you think we could have had that? I don't involved? think so. No, okay. I don't. I don't think so. That that would be amazing though. That would be a legendary sort of maybe there's, post. There's some like post. <laughs> we need like a, a tracer hall of fame, but like our tracer kind of hall of shame, I suppose. It's like a great idea. There's a stricker one at Marion when the tracer is like earliest points of the earliest days. The stricker had a shank like over the fence and out of bounds. And tracer was there. Uh, unfortunately for him, like we could do a whole hall of shame probably on those. And, and ZJ's little bit off the toe would certainly be in there. Uh, last but not least on news, we have a PJ tour memo. Uh, announced today, kind of clarifying these classes of of, of status and players. Uh, we had heard a lot about it. We also got the FedEx Cup points waiting. So you'll have 700 FedEx Cup points in designated events, 500 in non-designated, which is what it is now for full field events, uh, 300 for opposite field events, and I think that's pretty much your point. I'd like to interrupt for just yeah, a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Here. Okay. This is continues to be my biggest issue with the FedEx Cup points. I, I I don't know what that means. 
I like I understand that they're changed now and they're more important and they're they're larger amounts of points. Yeah. yeah. I just don't understand why the points aren't just dollar amount. It's something to make it make sense to me. I follow golf. Yeah, I, I follow this sport relatively closely, not as close as you. Not as close uh, as Andy, yeah. not as close as Will, but I follow it week to week. Yes. I listen to you guys. I read newsletters. I pay attention to NLU. I mean, I do. I try to keep on it, and I still never understand what the value is of a FedEx Cup no. point. And you know what? I want to understand it. That's my point. I want to understand how important 24 FedEx Cup points are versus 50 versus 75, and I just feel like They've missed the boat on this in terms of value of what it actually means to the fan at home. You know, do you have a do you have a proposal to make it have, have more resonance, have some sort of context? I, I, I this is the great amusement with so all these graphics they put up about you know right. this guy won the most FedEx Cup points in the history of the Texas Open. Like, great, I guess. Like, I'd rather see how much money he's won or how many. Shout out to Charlie Hoffman. Uh, or I'd rather see like how many times he's won or how many top tens because I just don't know what those points mean. Right? That's I assume that means he played a fair amount of consistent golf, but I it just I don't have the context for it. What would you propose? Well, and, and, money? Well, so so you know, like the Comcast Business Tour top ten is basically the regular season FedEx Cup point list, right? Yeah. So when you're announcing it or when you're talking about it. You can sell both sides. You could say, okay, Comcast Business Top Tour, Tour Top 10, and this is the FedEx Cup list of the regular season. I don't understand why the value isn't dollars. So you could simply say, Scotty Scheffler has 10 million FedEx Cup points this season, the amount of money he's made on tour. And at least if you're listening at home, you could go, okay. I And again, 10 million is an insane amount. Yeah. And I think when you get to that large of a number, maybe it doesn't resonate with somebody listening at home, but at least there's value there that makes sense to me. Because again, I understand FedEx cup points matter. And I understand that PGA tour players care about FedEx cup points. I get that, you know, I, that makes sense to me, but I don't get the value of the point. It makes me think of Bitcoin all the time where I just don't understand what the value of Bitcoin is. I understand that there is value in Bitcoin. And I had I had dinner with Solly and his wonderful wife last year when I was down there doing one of the PJ Tour events. And Solly spent an hour trying to explain to my idiot self yeah. what Bitcoin value means. And it never resonated because I didn't quite understand it. Oh, yeah. But if you if you make it make sense to what they've accomplished, then maybe I could go, okay, I get that graphic or I get what that means. But 700 versus 500, does that mean you get into the tour championship or does that mean you don't, you know, because right. I just feel like they're just numbers. Right, right. Yep. It, it, it's it's an ongoing thing. And I know there's been some, you know, I wrote about Nick Hardy's concern about the weight, the weighting being too advantageous to the, those designated players. It's going to be really hard to fall out. There's sort of this skepticism about these models that have, have, suggested you know this is the way to get this 18 percent. i think it was turnover dropout you know retention versus dropout um so yeah that that's a separate issue it's like how much are we waiting you have to wait them you have i mean it's a stronger better you know winning the honda versus winning the bay hill is a more significant achievement relative to the field so that'll be something i imagine is tinkered with going forward too but another big part of this memo was the categories for status Top 50 through the playoffs means you're fully exempt for the 2024 season. That would make sense. You're fully exempt, but you're also eligible for designated events, the TOC and the players championships tournament of mostly champions. I should say TOMC. Cause I mean, if you're doing top 50, you're just going to have some champions, mostly champions, but not all. So it's not the tournament of champions and the players. Uh, top 70 through playoffs, you're exempt for full field events through 2024 and the players. So, I mean, you can go play wherever you want. That feels right if you were a top 70 points earner in the year. Top 125 through the 2023 fall event. So they're going to like, there's no more wraparound. So they're going to play to the tour championship and then you've got your fall events. And that's a way to keep accruing points for this next status designation for 2024 top 125 through 2023 fall events you're exempt for all full field events in 2024 season 
and the players championship, I guess full field events is a way to say non-designated now. Is that what we're calling non-designated? Full field events so. does not include designated. Uh, and then, of course, you have the top 10 DP World Tour, top 30 KFT, top five in ties from Q School. And then it looks like 126 through 150 in the fall events have some sort of conditional status. So, um, like, if you're not in that top 50, I know this is a lot of info, but I want to make sure I'm giving I, it right. I, I, here's what I want to say to you. Could you imagine, imagine being a professional golfer trying to explain this to a family member? No. <laughs> no. So what's your but status the sickos, next sickos need to understand it, right? I mean, no, it's I, like, I, it is I a agree. dramatic sort of changing, right, of where we're cutting this. At 50 is a certain level and 70 when it used to be. You know, 125 was almost the, the equal of, of 31, essentially, right? I mean, almost, aside from a few other earning opportunities. So I, this fall is what's interesting. You know, 151, if you don't get there, you can compete for fall points list that will get you t- into designated events. So you'll get into, I guess, like this year, it would have been Phoenix and Riv. So if you do well at Sanderson and Shriners and events of that ilk, you can get into designated events, which seems important. Seems like a carrot to play some of those fall events for guys who fell outside the top 50. Um, which, by the way, I do like that. Yeah. I think that that's very smart by the tour is to give players that had good seasons but not great seasons an opportunity to improve their position. I think using the fall as, I don't want to call it the minor league tour, but to use that fall as opportunity for players that need a little help to adjust their numbers is smart. And it also allows the players that had a great season to take three months off, which is what they've been asking for right. for a long time anyway. Yeah. So to me, you're really getting a win-win from both sides because it's been contentious, right? With the top players versus the players that are kind of middling on tour over a lot of the decisions here. And to me, this feels like it benefits both, both groups. Yeah. Another one like carrot for that fall is like, and this, I could see not sticking around is if you win these fall events this coming year, you're still into the Masters, the Players, the PGA Championship because you want a full field event. So I, I don't know. that That's probably another carrot. You want to play, and you get into the Century TOC, which is a designated event with $20 million field. So like it's an intru- that's always been a big question. What, what are we going to do with this last sort of real fall schedule? I, I'm not saying these events are going away, but this sort of in-between stage of wraparound ending and the new, new era starting. So I don't know. Maybe you probably may not get a master's exemption if you win a fall event in a future year, but this year you will. So that's the memo clarifying some of the statuses and then the points. Uh, I think that does it for news. You got anything else on this no, uh, Wednesday? What, but what were your thoughts on the memo? Like your, your personal thoughts? Did you like it? Do you like the changes? Are you into it or is it confusing? What What are your thoughts on it? I mean, I me reading out there, it gets a little Byzantine, right? With But that's always been the case with PGA Tour status. They've got like hundreds and thousands of members with various levels of success in a certain season. I, I mean, I've got Guy Boros getting into events. It's like, there's always these carve outs and weird. It always sounds overcomplicated, but this feels like it's simplified even a little bit more. And, and the whole point is to make it more competitive, right? I, I just like, this is product driven and we're seeing the ratings go up. The purses are going up. The best players, in the, like it's, trickled down too. like i'm not suggesting trickle down economics is the 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 (laughs) bible here but like a better tour with that's more attractive to partners and media and fans like will help robert garrigus right it it will have a better purse will have a a stronger full field non-designated event so i think trimming the fat in certain stages to 70 50 um is focusing on the product and trying to make it more competitive. We don't want all 32 teams in the NBA playoffs for a bunch of junk like uh, rounds and junk games, or, or we don't need, I don't know. And if uh, NBA rosters don't need to be 22 deep, right? There's, I just think like focus on what puts the best product out there. And, and I think making it more competitive can only make it stronger instead of less, you know, yeah, less watered down. 
You know what? I'll be interested in what happens as all of this stuff gets slightly more refined. And as we kind of experience this a couple of years is the early parts of the new year. So the tournament of champions is the first event and everybody will be there in theory, right? You'll have all the big names and you'll get to see the players that at this point you haven't seen. And let's call it three months or four months. I mean, you know, I mean, you kind of go back to President's Cup or Ryder Cup and you will have not seen Rory and JT and Jordan yeah. and Max and that group play golf. Super. Cool. What's going to be very interesting is what's the schedule like after the Tournament of Champions? Because right now it's Sony and it's Amex and those weeks are less than events, you know, yeah. versus what we're seeing with the premier tournaments to get a taste of those superstars the first event of the year, and then to not see him again in theory until some will play Tory if it's not elevated. You know, some will play Pebble. We'll see him at Riv. We'll see him at Phoenix. But to sprinkle him in and then take him away for two or three weeks, I'll be interested in see how that's received for golf fans. Because, again, it's been oversaturated so much that we've never thought about the lack of viewership in terms of seeing our favorite players. But now that might be the case. And I wonder if something will happen early in the schedule to make sure we get two or three weeks in a row of all the familiar faces playing to kind of start the season, you know, with the big energy boost. Yeah, I think, I think we will. I think they're going to want to get their, their starts in before the majors come, right? Whether, whatever right. they're, I'm not saying that it's no longer mandatory that they go to all these, uh, but yes, you still have to make a certain amount of starts to be a PGA Tour member. And so it feels like, you know, the Q1 will remain pretty cool after a long layoff to see a lot of these guys playing pretty often before we then get, go into the major portion of the season. So I, I'm for the changes. I, I don't, I can't see where a bigger issue is unless you wanted to make it even more extreme and more tight where it's it's not 50. I, I don't know, but Andy would probably freak out about the field sizes being too small if, if he were here. But I, I, I can't quibble with it. I mean, I mean, I, I like what they're doing with the peripheral stuff, the full field, non-designated fall events. I think that's that's trying to make it stronger all the way around. So, all right, thank you, Shane. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. Where can we we obviously talk? We'll, we'll see you next week or hear you next week on Masters.com. We can listen to you. Get a grip. You are contributing to the Friday newsletter, fortunately for us, probably a little bit in the coming days and weeks. Uh, where else? Twitter, Shane Bacon. I don't know. You're, yeah. you're kind of everywhere. So that's 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 it. I wrote a wrote a children's book called The Golfer Zoo. That's if you true. want to get something for your uh, for your kiddo or for a, a new father in your life. Um, so that's that's kind of that's kind of what I got rocking and rolling. And yeah. uh, U.S. Amateur sign up today. Poor at. Oh, Very excited did? about that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it is today. Okay. This is the last. The last before the changes. Oh, so, yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of got to try to sneak in there and uh, and play some de decent golf. But excited for next week and excited to see you and the boys. I think we're playing golf at least one of the days. And then, of course, get to get to rock and roll with the first major of the year. Okay. Awesome. Shane, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate the support. We'll talk to you guys on Friday.